Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organizations between 2 to 50 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. Uh, today, I want to talk about um, being the shit shield for your team. And yeah, pardon the language, but uh, this is something that I have felt uh, rather strongly, actually, for the entire duration that I have been a uh, manager. Um, I've, I've often taught or I've often joked to my subordinates that being a manager is essentially being a shit shield, right? Uh, you are trying to protect your team. Um, from random things and noise in the organization and trouble that rains down from on high uh, because the manager's job is, again, to increase and or protect the output of the team. And so usually in any sort of environment, but I think particularly true for startups, uh, as you are operating as a uh, company, uh, bad things can happen in far-reaching parts of the organization. And sometimes these things they may trickle to you in your role as a manager because you have uh, much better uh, insight into what goes on into other parts of the business. But it shouldn't necessarily, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pass it on to your subordinates. And so therefore, uh, part of your job is not only to uh, search for information that may affect the output of your team, but also to look uh, and and, and filter the things or the, the pieces of news that you think um, should be uh, that your team should be insulated against or protected against. And so like one obvious example of this would be uh, my boss sometimes sort of just thinks out loud and at one point he was thinking of moving the office completely to Taiwan and he was enta- entertaining the idea of moving me with you know that, that move to Taiwan and then eventually closing down the Vietnam office that I was running. And I knew my boss, I I knew that obviously he was uh, thinking out loud. And I also knew that there were real benefits of moving the company to uh, Taiwan, Uh, benefits that he had mentioned to me multiple times over the past year. Um, But I also knew, of course, that instinctively that it would be a bad idea to talk about, uh, about this topic to my subordinates because... Obviously, uh, finding out that the office that you're working at may be shut down sometime in the near future is not a good thing for morale and not a good thing for productivity. And of course, I knew that uh, my boss was just thinking out loud and it was like incredibly unlikely that he would pull it off, he would, that he would actually do it. And so uh, in this particular case, I uh, engaged with him in a discussion. I think it was like an hour long discussion with both pros and cons. Um, but in the end, I never told my team about this. And to this day, they probably never knew that my boss was at one time sort of uh, thinking more seriously about making this move and actually considering it. Um, And this is partly a judgment on my part, right? Like I knew from everything uh, that was happening in the company and from what I understood from my boss, that this was a very unlikely event, like less than 30% chance of succeeding by my estimation. And I also knew that it was not worth it to sort of distract the team by telling them that that such discussions were actually happening behind the scenes. But this is a more extreme example. And I think it's really clear to anyone who has worked in a management role before that you really shouldn't uh, tell someone uh, if you're faced in a similar situation. But how about other scenarios, right? And it's and, and, which are more common, I think, um, in a typical day-to-day lift experience, uh, if you are a manager. Um, so an, an, another example of of being a shit shield or being a person who filters out and protects your team from bad things that can happen in other parts of the organization is 
there was one period where the sales team was expanding and there were new people entering the sales team and they kept messing up requests for modifications by the clients, right? And so what would happen was that uh, we would get a request uh, for some customization uh, for a deployment for to a client, like maybe three weeks from now, and then I would pass it on to engineering, and engineering will implement the feature, and then eventually when we are about to deploy it three weeks later, we find out that uh, sales, because they're not trained to take product requests or to uh, communicate product uh, feature uh, modifications, they get one or two very important uh, details wrong. And the feature that we had implemented, that we had spent two weeks of engineering time, you know, everything had been scheduled, uh, turned out to be a waste of time. And then the engineer had to go back and redo the work, uh, thus uh, wasting man hours and wasting engineering time that could be better spent on other things. Uh, things like, you know, cleaning up the code base or uh, working on more longer term, more important, strategically important features for the company. And so obviously this was not something that could happen, uh, that could con that should continue to happen. And I uh, sort of set it my goal, like after a couple of months of this, that we needed to change. Um, the interesting thing about this is that I think very few uh, of my engineers uh, who were subject to sort of these challenges, these changes, uh, actually cared or or noticed that they, they, this was a problem and that this needed to be fixed. At the very most, it was just like complaints, right? That they sort of uh, griped as part of the day-to-day -day, uh, engineering uh, life and times of an engineer, uh, software engineer in a company. Um, but I made it my... Uh, responsibility to sort of fix this and, and, and to change the way sales uh, gave uh, product requests to the rest of the engineering team. And so behind the scenes, with our communication to my team at all, I went and became friends with the head of sales. I began to hang out uh, with uh, people related in sales functions to sort of find out what's going on. And I eventually implemented this process that every salesperson had to go through, which is that if they wanted to give us a client customization, they would have to follow a very strict format. Uh, and I gave them this specific form that they would have to fill in. Uh, and then they could later you know, export and copy and paste into the task tracking system that we used. And as a result of this, uh, this problem went away, right? Because as, as, uh, now the software engineers actually had some context around uh, the features. The salespeople were no longer allowed to sort of just say, oh, you know, we want a button in this particular screen that shows, uh, that does this. Uh, instead, now they are forced to say, okay, um, Mr. Tan wants to have uh, this feature because when a client comes, he wants to be able to quickly see what the client has purchased in the past. And we want to have this interface element that allows him to do this from within the point of sale system, right? When he's at the cashier and he's about to check out uh, some items that the client may have bought. Um, for whatever reason, right? And with this context, this allowed us as engineers to sort of just sanity check and say like, hey, you know, this feature exists, already exists, which means that we can sort of build it in an easier to use way and that saves engineering time. Uh, it also saves uh, sort of effort for the designer to sort of squeeze so many buttons into custom customizations for a client. Um, and it also allowed us to sort of like wrap our heads around like how does this fit into our product vision, right? How does this fit into where uh, we're going to evolve our product over the next six months? Uh, 
Um, and, and we found that context, right? If the sales people had just given us instructions of like, you know, here, have a button here or like have a panel there, um, there was no way we could make this sort of, you know, this, these, these modifications. Um, and so this change happened behind the scenes. And as far as my team was concerned, one day there was a sort of new format that all the salespeople started writing in when they received their task assignments in the, in the task tracking software that we used. Um, and but apart from that, they had no idea uh, the amount of time or the amount of work uh, and the amount of mental energy I had spent thinking about this problem and sort of going invisibly almost uh, over two months, over a period of two months to try to solve it. And this is what I mean by sort of being a shit umbrella. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a frame of mind where as a manager, your job is to increase the output of the team through whatever means necessary. And in this particular case, if problems keep happening due to the you know, the interactions between your team and some of the team in the company, then you should be sort of, it's still your responsibility to guarantee that the output of your team is guaranteed. Um, and in this particular case, I had to sort of be creative, you know, make friends with the people in sales, sort of like figure out how they see the world and then try to find a way that would be not too difficult for them and not too bad for the company because sales ultimately, you know, uh, matters to the company. That's how our revenue uh, is generated. Um, but also at the same time, solve the problems, the bigger problems uh, that affect engineering. Um, and so this is something that I didn't actually, you know, stop and and, and pause uh, to consult with my team. Uh, I saw that this was a problem. I knew that I had to fix it and I didn't want to burden my team because, you know, my team's job is to uh, produce code changes that produce business value, right? And my job as a manager is to make sure that they are able to do that to the best of their ability. And so it became my responsibility uh, and nobody else's to make sure that this was no longer a problem going forward. Now, uh, if you take a step back and sort of just look at this, this is really a frame of mind, right? Uh, uh, the, and the frame of mind is uh, how do you uh, protect the output of your team? Be the guardian or the servant uh, of, of your team's uh, ability to produce uh, output and work uh, that, that you know, contributes to the business. Um, in this particular case, I think uh, what's most important here is the framing, right? Some people sort of talk about this in terms of servant leadership. And servant leadership, I think we've brought this up before uh, in the career conversations episode, which was uh, the last episode that I recorded some time back. Um, but the way I like to talk about it is like I am the shit umbrella, right? No shit should get through me uh, and hit my team, my subordinates. I am the barrier. I am the protector that prevents this from affecting their ability to work. Um, and so an obvious question that emerges from sort of this framing uh, of your role as a manager is when do you tell them, right? And, and when do you not? Um, because if you don't see so if you don't see this as a tension, then sort of imagine uh, it from a, another point of view, right? And the other point of view is that you are a subordinate, and your boss uh, suddenly tells you, "Hey, you know, there's this huge project that's coming up, and we want you to drop everything that you're doing to sort of switch to work on this project because the client is really important and it's a huge deal." Now that's really bad for you as a manager because you that means that you have to you know you can't plan you have to drop everything you're doing and that may affect the output of your team that may affect the productivity of your team for the next couple of months um, this is obviously really bad and in this particular case you would say to your boss you know boss you should tell me when you're thinking of this or when even the deal 
is on the horizon, right? Like it's it's gonna come. It may or may not, you know, uh, be successfully concluded. But you should give me advance warning, like maybe a couple weeks in advance, so that I can sort of uh, arrange, make sure that everything is okay in my team to execute this particular um, deal. And similarly, you can sort of imagine, like if you are, if you believe that as a manager, it's your job to take on and solve as many problems as possible to protect your team's output without ever sort of telling your team about it or ever consulting uh, uh, your team for some solutions, then you're not doing, you know, that's not great. That's not great for two reasons. First, um, you don't uh, have trust with your team if you're sort of hiding things from them. Um, I've always found that uh, when you are, you know, having a relationship with your subordinates as a manager, it's really important that they know that you are level with them and that you trust them. Uh, and so therefore you should have a tool uh, so, or you should have a, a rule that you keep internally of when you tell them about certain things and well, when you don't. And the second reason why it's a bad idea uh, to do this is because um, if you drop too many surprises on them eventually they sort of learn that like uh, you take on things too much and you don't you don't rely on their skills right and sometimes they do have skills uh, or methods to sort of help you with some of these problems and so it's not necessary for you to be the shit umbrella uh, 100 of the time so what is the rule for when to tell and when not to tell and i think in this particular case it's sort of really it sort of shows how powerful the manager's job as a guiding principle is, right? So the manager's job is uh, whatever you do, it should be to increase the output of the team. And that applies here just as the same. Uh, whatever the rule for when you should tell and when you should not tell is if not telling reduces in a potential decrease in the output of your team, whether it's because they lose trust in you or whether it's because like, you know, they're surprised because you've kept this hidden from them for too long. And then when you drop, you know, when you finally need to tell them they're surprised, they're completely like going like, oh, so why are you doing this? Like, why haven't you told us before? If you know this surprise is bad, then you should tell them beforehand. And obviously it's not that clear cut in real life, um, which is why I sort of believe that, um, you have to develop this feeling for yourself, right? And most of the time, it's not as clear-cut as my, my boss and the situation with moving the office to Taiwan, right? It's more like a maybe 50%, you know, like it will go well, 50% it won't. And so for this, there's also a really easy sort of way to, to build your intuition for whether it's a good idea or not. And that is um, whenever possible, whenever it's not too dangerous, uh, figure out uh, true trial and error um, what is too much sharing and what is too little sharing. So obviously some kinds of sharing, right? It's not necessary for me to burden my team to think about the sales team. I could sort of just tell them like, hey, I'm thinking about this and I'm working on it, but I don't have to update them day to day, right? Because it's something that can be resolved and should be resolved uh, without them ever worrying about this because their, their job is to produce software. Um, but then there's some times as well where I, did, I don't tell them and they eventually are surprised and so I make a mental note, okay, so this is the, the boundary for this kind of topic. And over time, if you constantly reflect on situations where it was uh, good to share and situations where it was not good to sort of keep things to yourself, eventually you get a good idea of where that line lies. Um, so I'd say, you know, final sort of uh, reflection on this topic is that whenever possible, my personal belief is that it's a good idea to overshare instead of undersharing. And because oversharing, you can always sort of uh, scale back later and correct later. But if you undershare, you risk losing the trust of your team and that is much more difficult to correct than oversharing. And so anyway, so that's what I think about uh, this topic for this week and I thought that was pretty interesting to sort of discuss this because I think this is something that all managers uh, grapple with eventually. 
Um, so that's it for this week. I'll see you next week. Uh, Cedric out. <laughs>